Uh, it says there, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. And in verse two, the census took place while Quinius was gover- governor governing Syri- yeah, Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. So the theme for tonight's message is God's plan. So God is in control of everything. And so many times I think we like to put him in a box. We like to put him in a cube. And we like to think that we need to take control of this. We need to take control of that. When in reality, the Lord's got it all orchestrated. The Lord's got it all worked out. James mentioned in his message last night about the fact that the Christmas message was just a a little start to a bigger picture and a bigger plan. And if you think about it, at the beginning of time, Christ was there. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the Word. Let me make sure that I don't screw this up because that would be really embarrassing. So John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So Christ was there when it all began. This whole plan was orchestrated out. Now, the Lord has no problem utilizing worldly people to make sure that his plan works out. So we have this guy, Caesar Augustus. So this guy who is now uh, the emperor of Rome, kind of a fascinating guy. Um, His birth name was Octavia, and he was the first Roman Roman emperor to follow the Republic and was the, basically, um, the chosen son of Julius Caesar uh, to take over and rule the empire. So we have this guy who's now in charge of this massive nation. And in fact, he was, he was um, coined with having uh, one or being an administrative genius. And so most administrators, I get to spend most of my normal day being an administrator. We like numbers. So what's the best way to have numbers? Let's have a census. Let's figure out where everybody's at. Let's figure out how many people we have. And then we can figure out how much money we're going to get. So he has a census. Okay, He had it for his own reason, his own purpose. But God had a bigger plan. Decades before, years before, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. It wasn't a coincidence. It was all part of a master plan. I'm always fascinated when you, when you think about that, uh, how the... The, the Lord works things out. And I'm always remembered, and I always go back to the plagues. And about the eighth plague, the phrasing changes in the book of Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 10, verse 20, it says, But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. And that was the eighth plague. And there were two more plagues. God had a plan, God had a purpose, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So only 
God knows what the state of things are going to be. We like to think, we like to project, we like to plan, we like to do all sorts of things as human beings. But we have no control. We really don't. A year ago, when we were standing in this this very same room, nobody knew what 2020 was going to bring. Nobody knew what was going to happen. And nobody had a clue what was about to come. But yet, the Lord had it all covered. And the Lord had a plan. One of the, the Lord reminded me of an old hymn today. Um, And this old hymn was... uh, The old hymn, Trust and Obey. And the very first verse of this hymn says the following. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds over our way. While we do his goodwill, he abides with us still. And with all who trust and obey. And then the refrain goes, trust and obey, for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. So my question to us tonight is, are we trusting and obeying? Are we truly trusting in the fact that we serve a God who's got it all worked out? Who's got a plan? Who's got a purpose? And nothing happens by chance. Nothing happens just because it's meant to happen. But it all happens for a purpose. One of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. Now, C.S. Lewis is known mainly uh, for the, uh, the Narnia series. And there's a line in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which I was reminded to make sure that I didn't say this incorrectly, that says that it's always winter and never Christmas. How many, how fitting is that? What are we focused on? What are we planning? And where is our mindset? But C.S. Lewis was also known for a whole lot more. So C.S. Lewis, a little background, um, he served in the trenches in World War I. Then when World War II came around, he became an air raid warden, which meant that he would um, encourage airmen. Now, these airmen, um, historically, they would fly about 13 missions. And by then, they were either lost or killed. But C.S. Lewis took it upon himself to encourage these young men and to build them up. So that caught the attention of the BBC. Now, you know, we here in America have this wonderful thing called free press. But the BBC, run by the government is their media source. So the media comes to C.S. Lewis in the middle of World War II. And you know what the media asks C.S. Lewis to do? They ask him to read a series of letters, to have a radio program to encourage the nation. So just think about this. Middle of World War II, Nation in complete and total unrest. Young men dying right and left. Men going off to war, never coming home. And a horrible war. 
In fact, a war, you know, that a lot of felt, a lot of people felt was a war against evil. That it was Christianity standing against pure evil. And the government comes to C.S. Lewis and asks him to do a radio program. Now, I wanted to read a couple excerpts because this wasn't, this wasn't a, this wasn't a children's story. This wasn't uh, a lighthearted, hey, you know, just be entertainment. C.S. Lewis, uh, they compiled it years later into a book called Mere Christianity. And these are excerpts from those radio programs. So I want to read just a couple of these little excerpts to just show you what, um, what he was really talking about. All right, let me see if I can find. All right. There is either a warning or an encouragement here for every one of us. If you are a nice person, if virtue comes easy to you, beware. Much is expected of those to whom much is given. If you mistake for your own merits... What are really God's gifts to you through nature? And if you um, are content with simply being nice, you are still a rebel. And all those gifts only make you or make your fall more terrible, your corruption more complicated, your bad example more disastrous. The devil was an archangel once. His natural gifts were as far above yours as yours are above those of a chimpanzee. Not light stuff. Not lighthearted. Another excerpt. But supposing God became man. Suppose our human nature, which can suffer and die, was amalgamated with God's nature in one person then that person could help us. He could surrender his will and suffer and die because he was a man. And he could do it perfectly because he was God. You and I can go through this process only if God does it, with, does it in us. But God can do it only if he becomes man. Our attempts at this dying will succeed only if we men share in God's dying. Just as as our thinking can succeed only because it is a drop out of the ocean of his intelligence. But we cannot share God's dying unless God dies. And he cannot die except by being a man. This is a sense in which he pays our debts. And suffers for us. And he himself need not suffer at all. As I read those words today. I was thinking. Can you imagine. Turning the radio on. And hearing that. Could you imagine today. I am sure. Each one of us. As we came to church tonight. Each one of us had a radio on in our cars. Could you imagine. If we heard words like that, I I watched a a clip from a message in which uh, a pastor had talked to, uh, had a friend who was actually in World War II, 
who said that when those broadcasts were on, there was silence. There was silence in the barracks. Everybody gathered around the radio. Everybody listened to those words. So just imagine today, if we, if we would stop and chew on words like that, if we would stop our hectic lives and our busy chaos and reflect on the fact that today we celebrate that the Savior of the world, the Creator of the universe, stepped out of perfection for us. For one purpose and one purpose only. And that's for our lives. For us. He loved us. And I think so often, so often we get caught up in our lives that we forget that. We get all, everything laid out. I had a perfect plan. I was supposed to take the next two weeks off until I got a phone call today. I had it the whole week planned out. I was so excited. I had it all figured out. But there was a bigger plan. There's a bigger purpose. And how come, how come we get bummed out? How come we get all upset? Somebody had to remind me on the way to church tonight of some of the words that I was going to say to help put me back into my perspective of realizing there's a bigger picture, there's a bigger plan. And God's the one in control. We're not. We're to trust and obey. The God, put, God puts it on our heart to do, to serve, and to love. And we're to trust and obey. There's no other way. I love those words. We get joy when we serve God. One of the, uh, one of the last quotes I want to quote from C.S. Lewis is, uh, is this. This was his summary of Christianity. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. What a perspective on the day. We get up every day and we see the sun. And we think about what we have to do. But the reason we get to see everything else is because we see the sun. God's in control. And God has a purpose. All right. I need to start picking up the pace. All right. C.S. Lewis uh, offered hope. He was in a very troubled world. Okay. Tonight is the night that we celebrate the first steps in our redemption. Uh, from the start of time, I covered that. Hosea 11.1. 1. Hosea 11.1. 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Just a remembrance. Christ was there at the beginning. Christ was there. And God calls us 
Because of His grace. All right. I'm going to jump ahead to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 verse 40. We're going to jump to the end of the Christmas story. Because in Luke chapter 2 verse 40, it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and with the grace of God was upon him. You know, tonight, tonight we celebrate that Christ was born. But Christ didn't stay a baby. He didn't stay in a manger. He didn't stay in Bethlehem. He grew up. He got strong. And as the word says, was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. So, tonight, as we start coming to an end, um, I want to ask the question is, how are we growing? How are we growing closer to God? Are we staying, that little baby, drinking the milk and just being content? Are we willing to start stepping forward? To start growing up? Start chewing on deep theological thoughts? To start growing deeper in the Lord? Because we're not supposed to stay content. We're not supposed to just be We're just not supposed to be Sunday Christians that show up and do our hour in the morning and call it good for the week. We're not supposed to be the people that just, you know, live our lives each day and, well, if we feel like it, we'll come to church on Sunday. We're supposed to be growing deeper. Each day, we're supposed to make a choice to grow deeper in the Lord to grow closer to the Lord, and to do His will in our lives. Because if we trust and obey, He's going to give us joy. He's going to show us what He wants. And the gifts just keep on coming. He gives us knowledge. He gives us wisdom. He takes care of the situations for us. But we have to be in the Word. And we have to be growing closer to Him for that to happen. This is why I wanted to end with communion tonight. Lord's really put it on my heart. Tonight, we, we celebrate that Christ came to the world. But tonight was just a step. A step for a bigger, a bigger, a bigger stage for each one of us. Tonight begins the path so we can have fellowship for all of eternity. You know, we're going to be on this world, what? If we're lucky, 100 years. If we're lucky, I don't know. There's some days that I don't want to live 100 years. I'd really like to go home, not have to feel pain and sorrow. Not have to see my kids go through a tough time. I'd love for Jesus to come back tonight. Wouldn't it be a great, wouldn't it just be great? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Home. No pain, no sorrow, no suffering. But we're here. And so we, we're challenged to grow deeper and to go uh, and to live for Christ. And so that's why I think it's important. I think it's really important that we stop. We stop tonight. 
and we reflect. We reflect for a few minutes on this little cup and this little piece of bread that each one of us has in our hand. I mean, in a little bit, I'll read 1 Corinthians. But I really, this is one of those things. Every time I get the opportunity to take communion, I always think, as I'm holding it, what this truly represents. Now, we're not going to argue the points of what it, whether it becomes or isn't or is, but what this represents, this celebration that we're going to do here in a few minutes, this opportunity for us, for a moment, to reflect on the sacrifice Not just his death, but the fact that the tomb was empty. He died for each one of us, but the joy is the fact that he was God. And he is God. And so the tomb's empty. So we get to have fellowship with him for all eternity. And every time I hold one of these, every time that there's an opportunity... For us to have communion, I never, ever feel worthy to be able to do this. I think of my sin. I think of the screw-ups I do. I think of what I did today that I'm ashamed of and I'm embarrassed of. Every time. And I think, my goodness, the creator of the universe, he came down here. And even though he knows that I'm going to mess up today, even though he knows that I'm going to make mistakes, he still did it. He didn't even question. He didn't even, he didn't even, he didn't even have a second thought. He came from perfection to a barn. Then he grew up as a carpenter's son. And he worked. And then he started his earthly ministry where he was ridiculed, he was laughed at. The Roman soldiers, the Roman soldiers mocked him, the Roman soldiers beat him, and the Roman soldiers poked and did horrible things to him. And never once did our Savior ever say, you know what, I'm done. He could have. He could have said, you know what, I'm done. I... I don't need this anymore. How many times do we get frustrated at work and just say, I'm not, I'm done. I'm out. I'm going to walk away from this. It's too tough. It's too hard. Jesus didn't. Jesus was getting beat. His beard pulled out. And he said, you know what? I'm still going to do it because I love him. I care for him. And he didn't even hesitate. So that's why I want to finish with this tonight. I want us to realize that tomorrow is going to be a great day. Whether the presents are wrapped or not, it's fine. Whether the house is clean, it's fine. What really matters is that tomorrow we get to celebrate the fact that our Savior came to this earth, suffered for us, and then rose again and gave us the promise that we will be with Him forever. Not just for a couple days, not just for a year, But for all of eternity, we get to have fellowship with Christ. We get to worship Him. 
in heaven for all of eternity. Alright, so, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, was betrayed. So, as we take this little cup, and if any of you haven't had the opportunity to do it, there's a little foil piece. And if you take that little foil piece back, there's a little wafer. Okay? And as you hold this little wafer in your hand, I want you guys just to stop for a moment. I want you to stop and reflect that this is the body of our Lord Savior who suffered for each one of us. He did it wholeheartedly without any thought of his own. But he did it for us. did it for his love. And so I'd ask for you to just Listen to these words. And he said, after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat. Now, if you very carefully peel back the the next layer and it says in the same manner he also took the cup after supper and saying this is the cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. As we hold this, I just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, for your love for each one of us. As we remember your sacrifice, just so grateful for your love. Let us drink. I want to thank each and every one of you guys for coming out here tonight, for remembering the sacrifice. I'm going to close up with a word of prayer, and then we're going to, uh, what we're going to do is we'll, we'll light the candles um, here in just a minute. So let's just say, dear Lord, Lord, you're an amazing God. You love us and you care for us, and I am so grateful for that, Lord. I pray for each and every member. I pray for everybody that's here tonight. Lord, that they know you. They grow closer to you. Use this season, this trying time to grow closer to you. To not walk away, but to be encouraged from your love, your grace, and your mercy. Knowing that you are completely and totally in charge of everything. You don't do anything. You don't do anything by mistake. Everything's planned out, and we're grateful for your love, Lord, and we're so thankful. Your name we do humbly pray, Lord. Now, if, uh, if one member of each family would just come to one of the candles, just go ahead, light the candle, and then take it back to your row, and um, we'll, uh, 
we'll sing Silent Night, or we'll turn it back over to Bethany and company to sing.